Hello everyone and welcome to a special episode. We're going to be talking about the impact of Hurricane Ida on global PE and PP markets. Global Polymer Conversations is brought to you by Argus Media, a leading independent provider of energy and commodity pricing information. My name is Muhammad Fadil and I'm the Vice President of Global Business Development at Argus. And with me today from Houston is Michelle Klum, our US Polymer Editor. Also joining me is Ying Ang, our Southeast Asia PE&PP reporter based in Singapore, as well as Matt Rajendra, our South Asia and Middle East PE&PP reporter, also based in Singapore. Hello, everyone. I know it's late for you, Matt and Ying in Singapore, and early for you, Michelle. So thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having us, Fadil. I look forward to the conversation. Thank you. Hurricane Ida is closely watched by the petrochemical industry. I've been very busy on my phone, my WhatsApp, and on Microsoft Teams in this past few days discussing the implications. Michelle, you have the best knowledge. You're on the ground. Please tell us more about the impact of Hurricane Ida. What can we expect, Michelle? Sure. So right now, what we know is that a number of plants are still down and there's widespread power outages and shortages of some industrial chemicals, such as nitrogen in particular. The hardest hit among the plastics is the polyvinyl chloride market, with around 39 percent of total U.S. PDC capacity offline due to the storm. And they're also dealing with upstream challenges, upstream ethylene, EDC and VCM outages. Polyethylene is the next hardest hit, with approximately 18% of the U.S. market down due to the storm, while around 9% of U.S. polypropylene capacity is down. We've gotten word that several of these plants did not sustain significant damage during the actual storm, but when, when they'll be able to restart is still an open question due to the widespread power outages. The electric utility provider Entergy, which provides electricity to much of New Orleans and the Baton Rouge areas, lost eight transmission lines, a transmission tower, and a few generating plants in the New Orleans area due to the storm. Around 865,000 customers were left without power in Louisiana and Mississippi in the aftermath of the storm, and restoration of that power will take days, if not weeks. Additionally, as I mentioned, there are feedstock problems with a number of crackers and refineries down, as well as concerns about infrastructure such as rail service in and around New Orleans. Michelle, you've provided an excellent overview. Um, I think the coming weeks will certainly be critical, and you've mentioned that already. I am hearing, Michelle, um, higher prices potentially in the Americas. What are your expectations for September? Definitely, I think we're going to be looking for for higher prices. Um, In the coming weeks, we hope there will be some more clarity about the extent of damage at the plants. Sometimes it's difficult for producers to know exactly what's wrong with the plants without being able to turn the power back on. Um, And once they're able to do that, they'll get a better read on how quickly they can, can start up. We'll also get some more clarity on the feedstock situation and the transportation situation. But as we said, the biggest thing that participants should expect is likely to be higher prices. We expect feedstock costs will increase, again, due to the number of refineries and crackers that are down. How much of an increase will depend on the duration of those outages. Already, producers have reiterated their announced increases for September. And obviously, supplies were already tight before the hurricane for all three plastic resins. So we expect to see further tightness, again, depending upon how quickly producers will be able to get back up and running. Lastly, I think we will expect to see another decline in exports for all three plastics markets from the U.S., as producers will again need to focus on domestic customers. That is really an excellent overview, Michelle, and I'm sure our listeners will find extremely useful. 
Uh, as we have seen from the cold snap in February, um, sometimes shutdowns can take slightly longer than expected to restart, so potentially disruptive in the short term. I want to turn our attention now to Asia. And Ying, thanks for joining us in another edition of Polymer Conversation. What are market participants in Asia telling you about Hurricane Ida? Thanks for having me, Fadil. Yeah, there's a lot of interest on how long the affected polymers' capacities in Louisiana will remain shut. Um, but most felt the impact of these disruptions to be limited in the key Chinese and Southeast Asian markets because U.S. polyethylene supplies to Asia was already thin in the first half of this year. And China has added massive amount of new capacity in the past eight months and more are expected in the fourth quarter. China will add 5.8 million tons of PE and 5.2 million tons of PP in 2021, of which more than 60% of these have started operations. And this is putting pressure on the whole Asian market when growth in finished products demand is actually limited by shipping issues and the fast-spreading Delta variant across Asia. And with all these startups, China P exports year-to-date through July have fallen by 15%, while PP imports have fallen by 25% this year against 2020. Southeast Asia participants do expect polymer supplies from Middle East producers to tighten further, but the availability of ASEAN supplies to regional competitors have increased with lesser exports to China most of this year. And buyers' preference has now shifted to domestic or Asian supplies due to the competitive prices and shorter lead times during the shipping chaos. Thanks for explaining it so well, Ying. I've also seen that Asian producers have exported substantial volumes to the Americas after the winter storm disruptions in February. Ying, do you think they can still export with the current high freight rates? Yes, Fadil. Asian producers have exported significant PE and PP volumes to Latin America in March and April this year. While PP prices in Latin in August were similar to March, and I'm not sure where the prices can rise further in September, but exports from Asia are barely workable with the current shipping constraint. Freight rates for Southeast Asia's exports to Latin America have nearly doubled since then. Freight rates from Southeast Asia are now $13,000 per container to Latin America, and that even at such high rates, shipping spaces remain tight and uncertain. Back in March, freight was only $300 per ton, while they are more than $500 per ton now. It looks like there's no incentive to export to the U.S. this time. Also, as Converters may need these resins to fulfill their production requirements for the upcoming holiday season. They will need imports with shorter lead times. It looks like the hurricane could have impacted the Asian markets today if shipping issues don't exist. Thanks again, Ying. Shifting over now to the Middle East. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Can you give us some visibility, Matt? Are Middle East producers looking to meet short-term gaps in the Americas because of EDA? Well, Fadil, I think based on what we saw after the cold snap in February, it is likely that the Middle Eastern producers will try to increase its allocations to the Americas. Demand in the Americas has been strong, and netbacks in that region have been high. The outages faced by US producers present an opportunity for Middle Eastern producers to fill in a gap in supply and enhance their profit margins. But one key factor we need to examine closely is the shipping situation. High freight rates, limited vessel space and tight container availability are limiting exports to the Americas. 
Some participants have reported delays in shipments from the Middle East to the Americas lasting more than a month. The Americas has been a hot destination for many exporters and some shipping lines were heard to have reallocated bigger vessels and more containers for voyages destined for that region. But it looks like these reallocations have not been enough to solve the shipping bottlenecks that we have experienced for almost a year now. And yet, even with all these issues, it is still likely that Middle Eastern producers will continue to target the Americas as they have done previously. As we have already seen this week, there has been an increase in the number of queries coming in from Latin American buyers. So there is interest in Middle Eastern cargoes. And it will also be much harder for producers from other regions to plug this gap in the Americas. As Ying mentioned, Asian producers are not likely to commit exports to the Americas. The same can also be said for European producers. So it looks like the Middle Eastern producers are best suited to fill in the gap. Thank you again, Matt. Before we go, I just have one last question for you. South Asia, you know, how is the region being impacted by Hurricane Ida? That's an interesting question, Fadil. Let's look at the producers first. Now, on paper, the current prices in the Americas look very good and theoretically it would make sense to increase volumes to the Americas. But as I mentioned earlier, the shipping bottlenecks are putting a strain on this endeavour. Indian producers would rather sell off their cargoes in markets that are easier to ship to and avoid any potential logistical nightmares. It is more likely that Indian producers will continue to focus on local markets and regional markets in South Asia, where demand has been stable to firm and netbacks are healthy. Now, let's take a look at the buyers. Buyers in the region would be concerned about the availability of supplies. After the cold snap in February, allocations from the Middle East were significantly lowered to South Asia. Some offers that were made by key Middle Eastern producers were later withdrawn due to insufficient volumes. And currently, freight rates from the Middle East to the Americas are lower than it is to Asia. So, it looks likely that Middle Eastern producers will divert volumes destined for South Asia to the Americas if these outages persist. Netbacks on the west of Suez are currently higher than on the east of Suez. And with the shortage in the Americas, South Asian buyers, especially in Pakistan, Bangladesh, Nepal and Sri Lanka, may have to prepare for a supply crunch in the weeks to come. Extremely interesting, Matt, and just shows you the potential for short-term shifts in polymer trade flows. Matt, Michelle, and Ying, thank you very much. Your insights have all been excellent and, most importantly, timely. I wish we can go on, but due to time constraints, we have to draw to a close now. It's been a pleasure talking to all of you, and thank you to everyone for listening. If you want to know more about key market fundamentals, I would strongly encourage you to read our weekly global PE and PP reports. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to tune in to other episodes in our series for more information on Argus's petrochemicals products coverage. Please visit argusmedia.com slash petrochemicals. Thank you for listening, everyone.